Blog Talk Radio. All right. Sunday night, late night radio. What fun. This morning, looking for my shoes, looked behind the trunk, found the hesitation blues. Lordy, tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? here on Francie and Friends. You know what's really cool, Tom? What? Is that I know that I'm on cue when Willie Nelson says, well, that's cool. No, it is cool. (laughs) It is cool. All right, okay. Um, We got a couple of show announcements, but right now I'm going to say, I'm really excited because we got, and I know, Tom, you know how bad I am at pronouncing names. I know her. I read her biography. We got Jenna Rosa 
phone on tonight. Did I do good? Yeah, that's pretty good. Thanks. How's it going? Yay! All right, so we got Generosa cards. I'm not going to press my look. Um, Carbone, so, uh, Francie, Carbone. Carbone. Carbone, Carbone, Carbone. All right, so I'm really excited about this because I've read her biography, and oh, my gosh. She's like the gladiators of women. Right now. Ooh, that right. Sounds well, come on. She's kickboxing. She's doing all this stuff, and we're sitting at home going, "Yeah, kick her ass!" And she's in the ring kicking people's ass. Hold on. Um, you guys talk amongst. Okay, okay, I got it. Yeah, I was trying to take my phone out of the battery. Uh, battery. I'm actually okay. So uh, let me just say this: um, Sunday night, late night radio. What fun that is from Tommy Habib, and um, he does have this uh, great organization where where he's giving dogs and animals, it's called To the Rescue. Uh, you guys should Google it. He does To the Rescue. He does rescue a lot of uh, dogs and cats and other certain animals. He's To the Rescue. He's helping them out. And it is a really great cause. Call me Habib. He was also the creator of the show Cheaters back in the day, wasn't he? He was the creator of Cheaters. Classic Which, show, classic TV. Yeah, so Tommy Habib, you know, he's doing a really great project right now, and, you know, he wanted me to go out in Malibu and play with some puppies, and I'm like, no, that's too far away. So, uh, Tommy, hey, Beeb, you're doing a great thing. It's called To the Rescue. If anybody wants to check out the website, he does go out and he checks out dogs. And he wants to make sure that they are safe and he puts them in the safe homes. So, Tommy, hey, Beeb, you were first... Uh, collecting cheaters and now you are collecting puppies. So thank you, Tommy Habe, for all the great work that you're doing with To the Rescue. So and, uh, huh? Okay. Yeah, Tom okay, said something. Another shout-out to another guy who is going across the country, traveling in his own car. We cannot forget Aaron D. Johnston, who wants to make men's uh, faces as smooth as the baby's bottom. We are talking about Honest Amish, Aaron D. Johnston. We salute you. Uh, Right now he's in Aiken, South Carolina. 
uh, your next beard and mustache uh, competition. We hope you sell a lot of soaps. Uh, Freddie's not here right now. He had a he had a goatee. He was cleaning his beard with his that on the Amish, and he loved it. His ben beard Amish, never uh, Amish, so Honest Amish uh, licorice soap is really great. It's like unusual because it's black. You'd think that, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I uh, used to go to a practical joke store and used to get black soap as a practical joke for people. But this actually works, and it cleans your beard and everything else. Oh, well, it's really groovy. Just had to interject because I have tried it. Cool. Yeah, I groovy. Mom, I'm still gonna get you the soap. Well okay. Tom, I'm gonna get you the soap. Yep. I'm gonna order it directly from Aaron D. Johnson and he's gonna give you I promise, Tom, let me get my job back. Okay. He'll he'll uh, he'll um sign it for you with his fingernail. Okay, cool. <laughs> I will get you I, I I do believe at this point we do need to upgrade Tom with the black licorice soap. Yeah, probably. Because it's really cool. And funk Oh yeah. And effervescent and mm. foamy. Yeah. You need to add water. So what's going on in the world of black bed sheet books, Nick? Oh, my goodness. All kinds of things. Um, uh, We've been having a a really great spring, and we're going to even have a better summer. Got a lot of things coming out, Um, especially uh, soon by Patrick James Ryan. Um, Just did a brand-new cover for him. For the night they got out from his best sequel to his best selling novel uh the night it got out and um and he's coming out with something really great it's going to be a surprise and watch for it at black bedsheet books on the group page everything that's coming out i don't announce anymore too much on our main page on facebook the group page is where people gravitate towards so i announced everything first on that um, and cool. um, right now I'm actually working on a book called The Indian Problem by Mary Quijano, who uh, used to write uh, for Zebra Books back in the day, back when I had my mass market paperbacks stuff out. She had um, hers. And, um, and um, it's really interesting because this is the second – Native American type book that I'm publishing aside from uh, um, Gina Rosa's because uh, and this this deals uh, with um, uh, the Wendigo and uh, 1920s Canada where the government would steal uh, Native American children and put them in a um, infamous um, Catholic school um, where they were abused and uh, hundreds of them. And um, she takes that historical part and mixes it with the Wendigo. 
and it's it's really it's it's fantastic. Um, so that's what I'm I'm doing that right now. It's going to come out next weekend, and um, also uh, David Bresky is coming out with a new book, um, and uh, so let's see. I'm editing a book for Raina Young, a romance novel, and and other things. So, and and also, <laughs> and I know that Tom, you're kind of waiting for this too. You're going, yeah, to it. Get, but your um, your third in Rodney Trust book is is on its way to so look out for that this week. I'm going to send you everything to finalize. Kind all right, easy. All right. Uh, you know, got to. Um, Make a, uh, because it's the third book, I think it. Nah, I'm not going to say anymore. It's going to. Okay. I'm going to surprise you with the color. So every okay, cool. time you come out with an in cool. we trust, it's got to be different color, same kind of principle, but you know what I mean. So that is coming yep. out. Also, Tom Sawyer's stuff for those who are listening is he's in ten books with me or eleven. Sometimes, sometimes I forgot how many. Pretty good amount, yeah. Anthology, read us or die. But um, yeah. Tom is really fantastic, and his uh, and Rod We Trust Thank books you. are really great. Rod Serling inspired um, short stories, so if you guys check that out if you haven't yet. But there's so many things, and I'm about to announce new authors also very soon. And I just did a, a, a podcast last night. Um, on um, um, if you look it up on YouTube, it's uh, Duck Soup with a D U U K S O O P, and Raina and I were on that podcast last night, um, and we zoomed it so you could actually see our faces, um, and uh, that was really neat. I talked a lot about Black Bedsheet Books and their collection that they have together that I published. Um, um, H. Scott and Raina Young's. Um, uh, Tales of Hip Hop Horror. Oh, that's groovy too. So you know, onwards and upwards and things. More announcements uh, coming very soon. Always, Sounds always exciting. something going on. Sounds really exciting. Yes, yes, indeed. Just in time for my July convention season too. Um, yeah, yeah. Spring and summer is always really good for us. It, oh, yeah. it gets more hectic uh, around um, the holidays and with um, the Halloween season and stuff. We do a lot of focusing on our big Halloween like um, extravaganza here at home. We get like a thousand trick or treaters. Uh, so, gonna start preparing for that in August, actually. And you know, you know me. I'm always about horrors, so there's always there's still stuff up from last time. Got a skeleton taller than the house that's overlooking our makeshift swimming pool. So, yeah, uh, and and skeleton outside the front door, off to the side, it scares away Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, that's good. It's got a purpose then. Yeah. There's a good purpose. Yes, it does. Francie. Yes, dear. Ah, uh, so. We have Gina Rosa Carbon. Anybody, oh, but before before we begin, Tom, do you have any announcements too? Um, I have uh, three conventions coming up in July. Uh, basically, I'm at Alpina ThunderCon the weekend before the Fourth of July. Then two weeks later, I'm up in Alpina again for Arts on the Bay. 
And then the last weekend of July, when our grandson was due for my oldest daughter, um, I'm at Motor City Nightmares in Novi. So I'm currently working on a short story, another one for the road. It's about a politician that gets drunk and gets in an accident. And, uh, you know, he has a... Oh, karma comes home and hits him. So, you know, I won't elaborate any more than that. But other than that, just kind of keep him busy. Groovy. Nice. So, that's You know, the, the thing about whenever you talk to Tom Sawyer, he's got something going on. That's right. <laughs> I think yeah, different. probably goes nuts. All right. Always stomping. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I do have a pretty good show announcement for Chinarosa Car- Carbone. I'm trying to figure that part out. Uh, we are number three in the popularity of 256 pages. We are number three. Groovy. People are listening. Mm-hmm. Yay. How you doing, Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, yeah, it's generous of carbone. <laughs> you have a very interesting life. Oh, Francis, can I hear you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're breaking up. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, a little bit better now. Okay. Um, yeah, you're also a doctor, am I correct? Um, yeah, that's right. I'm a new internal medicine physician right now. Hello. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh is multifaceted and get into mm-hmm. like each thing. I mean, um she's not only has she come out with a great book, Cut Me Open, Make Me Whole, um uh which is a great um actually a great American Indian psychological horror book. Um, that that you've got to read. We'll talk about that, and we'll pick your brain in a second about that. But also, Gina Rosa is um, has a history of being a, a freaking kickboxer and a lead guitarist in a heavy metal type band, and a, and a, writer a sword and... fighter, and and, and wow. all that too. That's uh, on top of that. Uh, she's she's a medical practitioner. So I mean, it, my holy. You're right. Every Renaissance woman. Well, she's a woman. So, um, yeah, I, I lived a pretty interesting childhood. I have uh, two really cool parents that, um, you know, as soon as I saw Kill Bill when I was uh, pretty young, I, I said, I want to do that. I want to do sword fighting, and I want to be able to throw daggers. And they said, okay. And they, they looked for it, and thankfully, we're a uh, live in California where there's uh, somebody willing to teach you anything and they let me pursue whatever I wanted to do. Mm. So you have to tell them to kill a man cure them. 
Yeah. So, um, um, I, that's epic. Yeah, it, it, so, it's been pretty fun. My dad um, is a pretty big guy. He was a bouncer and bartender for most of his life, so uh, he definitely tried to raise me to be a strong little girl. So he had me lifting with him in the gym, going to boxing classes, doing Muay Thai kickboxing, uh, you name it, any sort of martial arts he tried to get me into pretty early. Well, that's good. That's I bet smart. When you were, I bet when you were a tween, I bet he threw that baseball right in your glove and said, catch it. Oh, oh, much earlier than a tween, probably more like six years old. But, yes. I I, I was kind of, you know, I didn't want to say six years old because I didn't want, you know. Yeah, yeah, catch that ball. Exactly. Right? Glover's mid, and I bet you can still smell the leather. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So you know, I, I currently play on our softball team, too, with a couple of other doctors, so that's pretty fun. <laughs> How did you get into writing? How did I get into writing? Um, yeah. Well, I guess to start, um, I have an older sister that's 19 years older than me who grew up in the 80s and uh, from a really young age facilitated me to read a lot of Stephen King books. Um, so starting starting out with that, <laughs> so raising me in the right way um, just really encouraged me to be very creative and write, and so I'd write short stories and I'd send them to her and I wouldn't show anybody else. And, uh, yeah, it kind of just grew from there. How did you get into the native American aspect? I mean, are you kind of into the culture and everything or, um, cause I, I find their, yeah. horror, the, their legends and myths probably more, ter- one of the more terrifying aspects of part of their culture, like with the weed to go and the skinwalkers and, you know, yeah, I, I understand that you're, uh, you're you're pretty much into your uh, Chumash Indian tribe. Um, is that like a common thing for you? Are you are you heavily involved with them? Do you go to meetings, rituals, things? Yeah, I um I was raised from a pretty young age. My mom is very traditional. Um, I'm Santa Buena Ventura Chumash, and uh, I was raised going to powwows going to big times, um, going to ceremony, dancing and singing. And I've been doing that since I was a little kid. I go about three or four times a year, I'd say. And, um, yeah, I think it's a really big part of my life. So uh, kind of combining my love for horror and writing, I thought it would be great to mix them up together. Well, that's very cool. That's 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 exciting. That's, that's nice. That's great. I mean, um, just I was just going to ask you, do you find uh, – the myths and the folklore, some of the stories, like I like I mentioned with the Wendigo and the Skinwalkers, do you find that some of the more terrifying aspects? I mean, of all the horror out there, it just seems to me that seems much more, I don't know, uh, in the in the linear sense of believe behavability, believability. That seems much more close to home and realistic to me, and much more frightening. Yeah. I, I definitely way? agree. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think that um, while I love uh, the tropes that we see in The Exorcist and a lot of other sort of Catholic, Christian, religious movies and books, I think that when you delve into American Indian uh, myths and folklore, you'll find that a lot of people right now still hold it to be very true and a little bit less like myth and a little bit more like just the unseen. Um, so I do find it pretty terrifying, and uh, I have a lot of other Native friends that think so too. Because I'm of the mind, if if a Native American tells me, person tells me not to go to somewhere 
or do that, I'm going to listen because it just seems like, yeah, you're more in tune with things than I am. So I'm going to listen <laughs> to you because you're, you know. I think that that's yeah. always yeah. pretty wise. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tom yeah. actually wrote a nice book called White Out um, that centers on the Wendigo. As a matter of fact, uh, so, yeah, so, yeah I, I can understand him being intensely interested Beautiful. in um, American Indian folklore and mythology. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I definitely in- read a little bit about that. I hadn't gotten a chance to purchase it yet, but it looked really interesting. Well, thank you. Um, yours sounds really cool, too. I, I, I'm going to have to get one, so... Um, but I live yeah, in Michigan, I, so I go northern Michigan a lot, and up in the UP and all that. So that's kind of oh, you're a youper. my fascination with the folklore and the, and the myths and legends of our state. So it kind of is embedded here. So you know, you, you can't go very far in the state without running into it. That's what the American Indians have are those high cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was one politician um, saying that. <laughs> I I do think that it's really compelling stories that you hear, especially out there in the Midwest. I spent a lot of time in Minnesota, so I was privy to a lot of folklore and legends out there, and it is terrifying. And I think that um, a book that's really good at highlighting that is actually, if you guys have ever gotten to read The Only Good Indians by uh, Stephen Graham Jones. I haven't read it. I've heard he's of it, though. He's a I've, really heard, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's great. He's a really talented native writer who like perfectly weaves sort of traditional folklore with like, just this very gripping writing style. And um, honestly, after I read that just a couple of short years ago, I was like, wow, this is, you know, such a great genre, this native horror. And I, I could really get into that. I'd like to do something similar. So I think he was pretty instrumental also in me starting to write my own book. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's very you- interesting. How- yeah. How did you come about yeah. coming up with the story and thinking of this book? I mean, just picking your brain a bit. I mean, how did it come about? What's What was the process for that? Yeah, with, uh, not yeah. only that, uh, Gina Rosa, um, um, but uh, uh, about the process and everything. Um, but also, um, um, after you talk about that, um, um, readers want to know what the book's about. So, 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 go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so basically, I guess sort of how I came about writing the book and the process behind that is, uh, I think it would really start with the fact that um, one, I have very vivid dreams and nightmares, just something that I've had in my entire life. Really weird stuff that uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but I try to leave a little notepad and you know pen next to my bed, and so if I roll over at 2 a.m. and I was like, wow, that was such a weird dream, I kind of try to jot it down and maybe the next day it doesn't make any sense and, and maybe it's something really interesting. And after doing that so many times, I was kind of like, you know, maybe I should put this all down in, in a book or something or try to weave this together after, you know, it happening every every three days or so for like multiple years. And um, so I think that was the starting point of it. Um, and then I think very similar to a lot of people who bought pets at the time or started working on writing endeavors, um, we were all pretty locked up during COVID, and you kind of found yourself with a little bit of excess time on your hands and to flex your creative muscles. And 
So I kind of started, you know, really honing in on all those random scraps of paper until it kind of wove into something that was readable. So that's kind of where I started. Wow. Well, you were kind of quarantined during the COVID time. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, (laughs) my... uh, uh, the first thing that I wanted to say before I said it was thank God for that, but I mean, the nat- due to the nature of it, I should not say that exactly. But I mean, my goodness. Um, well, yeah, I- I've known a lot of writers during that, uh, bad time. that started actually finishing stuff during that that era because they they had nothing else to do. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I really, when, when it, oh, I mean, whatever the reason, the end result for you turns out to be a great book. Now, tell everybody what what it's about in a nutshell, if you can. Okay, definitely. Um, I guess without uh, giving too much away, the book kind of revolves around uh, a young girl named Storm Blackhorse. Uh, really love that name, and uh, basically. Completing her final year of medical school, um, she wanted to become a surgeon her entire life, and uh, it's kind of her main prerogative and only goal. And uh, she just has a couple of rotations to complete before uh, becoming a surgeon. And she meets some interesting people along the way, and uh, kind of changes her perspective on things and brings up some old nightmares, sort of from her past and from her previous life that she's been trying to shove down for. A nice amount of time and eventually she can't shove it down anymore and she has to face it so I'd say that's a very rough summarization of the book yeah yeah, oh. yeah it, uh, indeed it is um, um, now I know that you're of course I mean currently in the medical profession there's things that you probably shouldn't say and stuff but have you come across in in that part of your life any kind of like stuff that inspired you, like nefarious, like negative, like things in your profession that kind of inspired you? Because there's some, there's some crazy characters in that book that are really kind of like selfish and evil. And have you come across anybody like that? (laughs) Yes, I I think so. I think, um, I think everybody in any career, whether it's medical or law or business or anything like that, can definitely say that they've met some outlandish people or they've had an idea about somebody or maybe even they just see a normal person and they kind of twist their personality inside of your own head when you think about them and kind of create these characters, you know. And um, I don't know. I think when it comes to horror, you know, you have to kind of think of, what you want to write about and your audience and things like that. And, uh, you know, some people like to create characters and write things for just sort of shock factor and gore. And I I think that's nice and that's some good introductory writing. But um, I think when you get deeper down into the psychology behind what people like to read, what people are interested in and why people like horror, and, and you can kind of figure out what causes people to feel fear and dread, you know, I think that's when you hone in on creating a really good, character that people will want to follow and either cheer for and root for or either completely condemn and uh, I think that's where I kind of took from it for the most part but when it comes down to it I I think that you know there's a lot that we see in the world It's, it's pretty filled with gruesomeness and cruelty everywhere we look and we rarely get to delight in it in the real world and when we read horror we can kind of fully experience that terror in those people in a setting where it can only affect us as far as we allow it 
and uh, people like to have power over these kinds of situations. So that's kind of what I was looking for when creating sort of uh, people and, and scenarios and situations when writing my book. Yeah, and, you know, in doing so, like you, uh, um, you kind of uh, pretty much set in stone some of your underlying experiences that motivate you or that you put into it, actually, and call it fiction in your experience yourself when you immerse it in that book as well. It's like it's, it's, it's a kind of thing that's set in stone, and it's very therapeutic um, to, to get stuff like that out, too. Um, but, I mean, geez, um, really, um, the, one of your biggest strengths in Cut Me Open, Make Me Whole is the characterization of it, because you have a great capability of, um, of, of the way that, I mean, you know, when it all boils down to it, writing is like painting a picture. you got to, like, put inside your head how you see it and, um, and put it down on paper so that other people can see it the way that you do. Therein lies the art. And um, the way that you weave everything uh, with the characters, um, it, it pulls you in because you get to know them and you get to know their circumstances. You get to envision the, the environment that they're in and their circumstances. So, I mean, um, that's what really pulled me in to make me want to publish you in the first place was because, um, and this is your first book. <laughs> for Pete's sake. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, you're a very good writer with that, with what you did. It's I, it's written the way somebody that has um, written five novels prior, um, if you know wow. what I mean. I appreciate it's that. It's kind of That's written a... like you have experience before with it. And the name yeah, of the I character mean, guess... alone just sounds like she's just somebody I want to read about. You know, just... I've already pulled in. I mean, I want to I wanna know more, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most important thing is to create a compelling character uh, to follow and supporting characters and uh, create a story behind it. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. I, I, I find that I, I know and love and have had in my life so many interesting, you know, American Indian friends and colleagues. And I was just like, you know, we are such an interesting group of people with, with a very, you know, wicked sense of humor and, and a love for sort of horror and things like this. And it seems like the span across a lot of people I've met. And I was like, you know, for such a compelling people I know in real life, I'm sure I can create something similar, some, an amalgamation of multiple of them. So. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, and uh, when I, I, I first accepted you too, I did a lot life. of research. I just don't go... Oh, I'm going to publish this person. Oh, great. Whatever. But I have to like, you know, I did a lot of research about the, I, I never, and this is what interests me too. Whenever I accept somebody and I look into what, what, who they are, what they do and, and stuff The Chamash Indians, uh, did a lot of YouTube stuff and a lot of internet stuff about them. So I got to get to know it. And ultimately I decided that your cover is your cover that you came out with. I added then, you know, what, whatever to it, but the cover that you sent to me, that was, that was, that was just perfect for the book all said and done. So, uh, um, uh, and, um, you know, it, um, that and the new book that I'm publishing too about, um, native American, North American Indians, um, gets me even, you know, more um, interested in, in the whole nine yards of it, which I've never, I mean, you know, I mean, 
I, I was born in 66, and I grew up um, in the John Wayne era with the movies, uh, with my dad, like, watching the old westerns and, and the stereotypical way that they portrayed um, uh, Native Americans and and, uh, and and so forth. And, like, later on through life, the more knowledge you get, I mean, when you're not a, a Native American Indian, the more you learn it's like you know it's not it's kind of like halfway between um oh what was that movie um at least in my opinion um oh what was that with kevin costner um dancing with wolves dancing dances with wolves yeah it got me first interested and then i learned that that wasn't entirely accurate either and uh, oh, of course but, well it's hollywood but um, um, and uh, it's it's just it, it's uniquely interesting to me now that I'm I'm knowing more. Um, yeah, and it's, um, it's interesting the oh. culture change a bit. It's, it was a very cowboys and Indians, you know, based TV and movies and things, kind of in the '60s and '70s. I know my dad watched something similar. He's a big Italian guy. Um, but nowadays, it kind of seems like there's a shift, and you know. Native Americans are kind of telling their stories and their legends, and there's a lot more interest in, you know, the heroism placed on American Indians. And I think that's really great to see the other side of the coin, you know, 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really great, too. And it's really enlightening, too. And uh, uh, a, a lot of my, as time goes on, um, a lot of uh, Native American tribes are getting more of a voice from what I understand. Sometimes the government doesn't agree with it. But, I mean, they're getting more of a voice, I think. Yeah, I definitely. And I, and I think you're also seeing uh, um, kind of a interest in, like, Native American horror and legends and myths and stuff because, I mean, on Supernatural they had, like, the Wendigo and Skinwalkers mentioned on other movies and TV shows. I think there's a great fascination and curiosity of it because of the fact that it's, well, it's pretty terrifying and realistic. I mean, real, you know. So I think that that adds to it too. I mean, I agree. I mean, and I think there's a, a lot of untapped potential there too. Everybody oh, knows, or many people have heard about skinwalkers and when they go and everything. But um, you know, not a lot of people have heard about like the Nunashish and others. You know, sort of demonology and ideas like that. And, and there's just so much to talk about and explore amongst the many, many tribes. So a lot of untapped energy that could uh, make for some really good book and movie fodder. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the books I'm that really I interested in uh, a lot of the folklore uh, in Native American mythology about giants in North America, too, like yeah. the red-haired giants. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And one of my not, I mean, one of my go-to books that I have in my little library is, I bought it when I was up, uh, was either Mackinac City or Mackinac Island or in the UP, but it's called The Manitous, and it dealt with mostly the Ashtonubi and Ojibwe people's legends in that in, our, in my region. And I was like, boy, that's some terrifying stuff. I mean, it was like, I mean, and, you know, people get what they deserve you know, some of the stories, because I read, like, Puguck and some of the others. I was like, wow, that's just, whoa, that's, that's creepy. That's, that's just bad. That's just, you know, terrifying. 
you know? Yeah, it is, it is pretty scary. I know that when I was staying out in the Midwest and I made all these uh, indigenous friends out there that are Ojibwe, um, you know, they would tell me these stories and little by little they'd say, hey, whatever you do, don't, um, don't whistle at night because that's, uh, you know, kind of a terrible thing and you can call spirits to you and you can get snatched up pretty quick. And, you know, the more you hear the stories, the, the less you start whistling altogether. <laughs> and so I, I totally understand what you're saying by they are pretty terrifying stories. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, by the way, know. do you do you speak um, your native language? Not as well as I wish I did. I I can definitely sing traditional songs when they're appropriate during powwow and ceremony. Um, but there's been a lot of language sort of reclamation in the last five to ten years. You know, there was a recent English to Shimala um, book that was published uh, for the Chumash tribe, and uh, there's been a lot of Zoom meetings actually trying to. Uh, get the language more in practice. So I think that's really great. I, uh, not a lot of tribes still have their original language, or I mean, some don't anymore, but there's been this whole reclamation of the languages going across the U.S. So people are trying to speak more and more. And uh, it's very complicated, I, I would say, <laughs> the pronunciations yeah. and uh, things for that are my tribe specific. But I, I make a good faith effort. And uh, yeah, I wish I could speak a bit better. I'm working on it. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Do you know how to say, like, um, where it's like sun and moon? Um, yeah, there's, like, there's simpler words that are easier like that. Like, um, I would say uh, an interesting example, like, earth would be shoop, and then dirt would be shoop, shoop. It's, like, kind of, like, double, you know? So it's kind of interesting yeah. things like that or basic stuff, like how you say hello is uh, haku. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of along those lines. Ah. <laughs> So have you written anything other than this this book, or is there more in the works? Do you have you've been writing yeah. other stuff? Yeah, cool. there's definitely more in the works right now. Um, I'm working on something a uh, little bit different. I uh, I really love to throw different uh, Native American concepts into anything I write, honestly. But this next book is a bit more of a science fiction horror than a psychological horror. So I've kind of been working on something for a while right now, and. Hopefully I can uh, push it out, you know, in the next coming months. Oh, that's great. Ooh, science fiction horror. Oh, yeah. That's, that's far more up my alley than anything else, actually. Yeah. I, I dig that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so, I mean, um, Gina Rosa Carbone, the heavy metal guitarist. Tell me about that. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, you know, most of my life I've I've loved metal music, and I can range from new metal to melodic death metal to everything in between, prog metal. I, I don't discriminate. <laughs> and, um, you know, I grew up listening to that, and uh, I loved it so much that when I went to medical school, I kind of was, you know, pretty bummed out thinking that, uh, man, n- none of these kids are going to like the same music as me probably, but that's okay. But when I got to medical school, I I met a really cool guy named Fred who actually uh, loved the same type of metal as me. And we got together and we formed a band that we ended up calling Doc Apocalypse. So like Dr. Apocalypse, Doc Apocalypse. And um, we would sit there and we'd practice and we'd play here and there. And we played for our medical school. And and we finally found our third member, Leah, who was our singer. And uh, it was a really great time for a couple of years until uh, COVID kind of crashed down the band scene. Wow. So what would you uh, say is probably um, 
one of your favorites, if not your favorite, all-time heavy metal band? Oh, that's pretty easy. My favorite heavy metal band ever, hands down, is Avenged Sevenfold. Ooh, Avenged Sevenfold. I actually have to look them up. I like some metal. I'm more of a traditional, like, rock and roll person, but, uh, uh, damn, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I actually, yeah. um, uh, I'm older. knew some, like some, some older. um, really weird, uh, heavy metal bands back in my LA days. And, um, uh, a gore had a lot oh, to do I with love that. Gore. <laughs> you love know, I, I, Okay, I I like the weird stuff too. Necrogoblicon, uh, Mr. Bungle, the really weird stuff. I like that, yeah. Well, have you ever heard of Christian Death? Yes, I have. (laughs) Yeah, I I knew some of the band members, Rick Agnew and stuff, back in those days. That's a long story, and and the show's about you. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah. Wow. So, and, uh, but. Um, metal has um, uh, gotten a little mainstream thanks to, uh, um, uh, you know, Inner Sandman and songs like that. Uh, but uh, um, on a scale of one to ten, how good, do you play like um, lead guitars or rhythm? But wh- um, whatever guitar you play, on a scale of one to ten, how how would you rate yourself? A scale of one to ten, that's so hard to compare. Um, right now, I'd give myself about a, a, a seven, I'd say. Um, at my prime, I'd say I was probably an eight and a half. Pretty pretty good, honestly. I, I was very uh, – I, I could use a little bit more practice now, but I just love the entire art of it. I love playing both rhythm and lead guitar. I had a small stint of playing the drums, but nobody beats my drummer, Fred, honestly, so it was more of a hobby for me to play the drums, but – yeah, I, I'm playing a uh, Schechter guitar right now. I'm kind of married to that uh, brand for the time being, and I'm playing on a Marshall amp. Ah. Oh. How well, do you find the time um, for all this? Do you uh, currently do it? I know that you're really busy um, uh, with the medical stuff. Um, uh, when was your last gig, or have you had any late, lately? Not lately. Um, so it's definitely been over a year now since I've had a gig. Uh, during COVID, we were still at least practicing at my apartment, even if we didn't have a gig. But alas, as we all um, disbanded from medical school and went to our physician jobs, we all had to move to different states. So it's been a bit hard piecing together a new band. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Gee, your work is never done. You're just all over the place, but in a very, very unified way, and uh, it's very unique. You know, when I first saw, well, like again, when you first submitted to me, and you um, had this like little paragraph of your background, I was going, my God! <laughs> so finally, I get to talk to you about it too, <laughs> which is a good excuse for a show. We've never had a phone conversation before, so this is all great, and for everybody else to enjoy, because we're we're picking you apart like an onion, and uh, uh, you're you're a unique writer and a unique character all unto yourself, with all the like I said at the beginning of the show, very multifaceted with all these like things. I mean, um, so yeah, my 
goodness. So uh, we got to – do you have any YouTube videos that um, have you on it playing? <laughs> um, I don't have any right now. Um, I just feel like I have more so social media videos here and there. Um, but I hope to start playing again soon and then maybe uploading something more consistently. But as you said, it, it's kind of hard to wrangle everything in uh, when you're doing so many different things. <laughs> hey, well, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, so, so what about all this like martial arts stuff? Um, I know uh, uh, we talked a little bit of it, but um, uh, tell us a little about that, about the kickboxing and the sword fighting uh, especially. Yeah, well, it all comes from my dad, um, Big Sal. My dad uh, is a big guy who grew up fighting and grew up bouncing at bars, and uh, he definitely wanted to raise me to be able to hold my own. So from a really young age, you know, me and my dad would spar, and then a little bit later he got me into classes, regular boxing, Muay Thai kickboxing, and then eventually the Japanese-style swordplay, Iaido, um, which I just absolutely loved. I started that maybe when I was 11 years old and did it for years, and you know, it was great. It's a combination of uh, sword work, you know, in a sort of sparring fashion, as well as these sort of sword manipulations in almost a dance-like way for performances, actually, at, you know, like Oban festivals and things like that, Japanese summer festivals. Um, it was just a great way to uh, make sure I was exercising and kind of hone a sk- skill that I really liked. Um, me and my dad, uh, we had a backyard with a target, and I remember we would do a lot of um, Russian knife throwing, too. So we just always loved to, you know, play with weaponry and just be able to spar and have a good time and uh, wrestle around, and that's kind of what I grew up doing. Wow. So, hmm. so I bet you one of these days you're probably going to, conjure up a story that's uh, centered around that, perhaps. I would like to write some things about different fighting styles and things like that. It's, uh, I, I almost wonder sometimes if that's better left to the movies. I love old kung fu movies and things along those lines, but it would be great to be able to um, word it into a good book. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you should. I imagine there's many, many, many more books to come over the years for you. I hope uh, I so. also I, encourage I you to write enjoyable. short stories. Write short stories. Um, they're a lot simpler, take less time, but you can yeah. submit them to magazines and things too. Also, uh, I think we're coming up with a new version of our at Black Bed Sheet, uh, Read Us or Die, uh, which. Um, was an anthology that incorporated a lot of um, my authors at the time in 2013. I haven't done one since. I have done in anthologies, but like lately, mostly women's anthologies, like Scream in the Night 3, which actually you're probably, you're welcome to submit to too. But, um, but um, I encourage you as a writer to uh, take some time whenever you have time and um, uh, do a few short stories here and there. Uh, send them out to magazines, see what they think of it, and then you can get your imprint more all over the place, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea, and I have some stored up that just need a bit of refining, but, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, yeah. So it'll help Stephen King, you know, writer, right? and uh, then, I mean, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> 
Um, what, one other thing is, uh, you know, I have some family mm-hmm. members listening in, and uh, my dad would like me to at least say while I'm on the air that he not only was a boxer and a fighter, but he wrestled a bear once. And there is a video of it on YouTube somewhere, and uh, I can give you the link later for the show. <laughs> he oh, felt yeah, the need to have me say that. See, I want to see your dad wrestle a bear. Uh, yeah, I got to do anybody wrestle a bear, but especially your dad. <laughs> yeah, he is an Ohio boy through and through. Um, big Midwest vibes for sure from him, and he's very proud of having wrestled a bear and it being caught on film in the, geez, I think it was the 80s. <laughs> it, it it wasn't the cocaine bear, was it? No, thank God. I don't know if he would have made it out of there if it was. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So other wow yeah yeah please send me the link after the show on on like Facebook and yeah I wanna I wanna check that out cool and is he listening do you think Uh, he's definitely listening right now (laughs) oh well hi generous dad dad. thank you (laughs) for procreating you you got me a great author right here now and here in 2023 awesome awesome author. And so and all around person. <laughs> so, other reading Stephen King, do you have any other writers that were your influence that influenced you that kind of like, hey, I want to, I can do this, you know? Yeah. So, there is a group of writers that at one point I felt a little stuck on Stephen King, um, mm-hmm. but I I think that Haunting of Hill House, um, let's see, by uh, Shirley, I'm blanking Jackson. on her last name. Shirley Jackson, I think that's an incredible book. I, I think that was a pioneer in sort of the horror book entirety. Um, I know that Gillian yeah. Flynn, uh, who wrote Sharp Objects and a couple of these other sort of psychological horrors uh, books, I was very into reading her books for a time. I remember she published three, like Rapid Fire, a couple of years after each other. Um, so things along those lines. And then I also kind of satiate my uh, love for horror with some really good classics, you know, any of the um, – Halloween films, any of the, um, let's see, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, the real good classics. And parcel of the original haunting movie and uh, George C. Scott movie called The Changeling. Oh, yes, I, I have seen that. That was great. That, those are great about psychological horror at its best. Yeah, and, you know, um, from Graham, like I talked about earlier, I think those are kind of my favorite four authors right now, and, and you know, also uh, Nick, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Do you have any long-range <laughs> goals for some of your writing? I mean, do you have, you know, what are your future plans for writing? For writing? Hate to put you on the spot, um, but I was kind of curious for all our sakes. No, that's okay. Great if you can keep doing it. Um, I, there's no humongous future plans. I think the sort of idea is I enjoy writing. I enjoy, you know, producing my work, sending it off to Mm -hmm. some friends to kind of read over and have them in shock and awe or, or kind of tell me, Hey, this ain't so great. Maybe you should tweak it. And, uh, it's just such a fun process. I could see myself doing this for a while. Um, I obviously won't quit my day job, but I sure like it as my night job. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. I can relate to that. (laughs) Well, yeah. In my case, I like it's my day job, do it full time, and <laughs> so. But um, any other kind of Native American legends you might be 
showing us in the future, Skinwalker, Wendigo, uh, the others? Or Yeah, and so um, I think that one of the best sort of books and stories that uh, I can derive other sort of things from or that I pull from is a, it's a book called December's child. And it's a, a book that's a, it's like a published work of Chumash oral narratives, you know, and it talks about several bits of folklore and demons and just magical beings. And I think that that would be great to incorporate into future stories. And although I do love reading about skinwalkers, I usually would save that for other tribes that that's integral to their historical storytelling, which doesn't happen to be Chumash. Um, or I'd be happy just to go and have these and maybe co-author a book with somebody who that is a part of their uh, tradition. So that's probably what future directions for me. Yeah. Well, I know I forgot to tell you something, Nick. I entered a contest to go to the Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> Skinwalker <laughs> Ranch. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, yeah, why not? I watched the show, so, you know, I've written about them. So, you know, hey, I don't win anything anyways, but what the heck. Just, just you team, never know. You know. My curiosity, yeah. You never, you never know. Yeah. But yeah. Don't want to run awesome, into one man. by any means, but you know. So. Hey, Francie, do you have anything to say? Want to ask her anything? Hey, uh, next week we're gonna have Jason Hignight on the show. Cool. Great. Yeah. So. He's a really cool guy. He's directed a couple of things too, as a matter of fact. And he wait. He was with me when Rowdy Wardy Piper died. Oh wow. Oh. Yeah. And that's a long story. But um Can't wait to hear it someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Francie has a long history of uh uh it it, it uh if if you look back in the archives, uh, uh Roddy Piper was supposed to be on the show, uh, but we got an agent that was a fake agent turned out. It was like wow. weird. But yeah. Uh, Jason Hignite so, was my hero. Uh, Jason Jason Hignite was her hero. I'm sharing a phone with her right now. Oh, uh, good. I'm glad she can make it in on your phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was it was great talking to you guys. Thank you so much yeah. for uh, you know, giving me a little bit of well, time. I look forward to reading your book. And, and, yeah, and I look more to to hear about, you know, hear from this podcast and start reading more of your guys' work and just collaborating. Oh, oh yeah. Again. Um, awesome. Anything that you have to send to me, uh, I'll look before I look at anybody else's. Um, <laughs> wow. that, that's side of black bed sheet. I mean, uh, once you're an author of mine, you, you take priority. Um, so it, it's pretty much a given. If you want me to publish anything else that you do, I will. Uh, if there's something wrong with it, I'll let you know and we'll work on it and get it to where it's supposed to be. But at the same time, I mean, I'm obligated to you. So I'm committed to you. Um, you need to know that if you don't know that already, but I, that's that's the way it works. So, uh, you know, that's great. so anything you want that. from I really me, I really like being a part of. Oh. Okay, no, I was just to say I really thank like parting. I love part, being a part of Black Bed Sheets, and uh, I think it's a great publishing service, and uh, it's been great so far. It was a great process, and I'm excited to continue on. Yeah, I'm oh, glad. Welcome. I'm glad to have you. <laughs> 
Yeah, I uh, yeah. back back in the day, back in the eighties, I, I I was published. Uh, you could see my books on the book racks at the grocery stores next to Stephen King's and Dino Kunz's and whatnot and and stuff. And uh, but uh, they kind of screwed me. So over the course of time.